Hi everyone! Left to our own devices, the conference may be over, but you can still watch the recording at cybellum.com conference. Tune in to listen to FDA updates from FDA executives themselves, learn about AI in automotive from NVIDIA, the AI leader, and listen to product security leaders from Philips, Honeywell, CISA, and more. Go to cybellum.com conference and watch the recording for free. See you at the next event! Hi, this is David. And this is Shlomi. And you've tuned into Left to Our Own Devices, the product security podcast. So our guest today is Michal Geva, General Manager, OTA and Cybersecurity at Harman International. Michal is a seasoned software executive with a strong track record of building profitable business units from scratch and executing complex projects. In the past, she was a business development consultant and an EVP delivery at Redband Software, among other things. So we're very excited to have her on today and chat about automotive cybersecurity. Michal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to participate and uh, share my experiences. So thank you very much. We're very excited as well. So uh, let me start with a personal question. What, what got you into automotive cybersecurity to begin with? How did your journey start? As in most uh, cases, it just happened. So um, I joined Redbend and uh, Redbend was uh, at the time working in the mobile field with billions of devices, including the OTA technology in the field. Unfortunately, what happened is uh, that there was a new competitor in the market and that competitor was uh, for free. So uh, Gota, Google's OTA, was distributed into the mobile world and it was free. So the most difficult competition is competing with a free product. So uh, Redbend looked for alternative markets and went into the automotive market. The automotive market at that time did not really know what OTA is, what over-the-air update is, did not know what cyber is. So it's uh, talking about pretty early days. And I remember we, we would take uh, slides to uh, our customers and explain what over-the-air update is, what cybersecurity is, why this is important. You know, step-by-step, step, uh, we were able to uh, move ourselves from the mobile world into automotive and succeed in that field, that market. That's very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Turn around in real time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, everything is, is around timing and everything is, you know, having the right product in the right market at the right time. Uh, I'm very proud to say that Harman or Redbent OTA is leading the marketplace with uh, 26 OEMs in the automotive space and capturing the peak is one thing, but continuing to stay there is another. And uh, very, very proud of that accomplishment. Right. Especially now when OTA is really taking off and, uh, you know, we're, we're only at the tip of the iceberg of OTA, I think. And, and so yeah. the way, the way you're positioned, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's quite impressive. Right. We still need to continue to be disciplined. We we've seen 
in other industries that uh, the leaders uh, disappear because the market turned and the leaders did not know it is. So uh, in the automotive industry, I'm sure the people listening to us are, are very much aware there's a huge, huge shift into software-defined vehicle. And software-defined vehicle is actually a data center on wheels, and that requires a lot of cyber security, a lot of protection, a lot of over-the-air updates. Software is key. Software is the most important component in the vehicle moving forward. And uh, we're privileged to be in this market at this time. So it's fun for us, definitely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, we had on the uh, general manager of Daimler Trucking in the U.S., and she was talking about one of the shows that I really enjoyed growing up called The Jetsons. Sorry, Shalomi, I had to get that in. And uh, <laughs> again, and you know, you think of OTA, it brings the Jetsons back to my the front of my mind. You know, the flying the flying car, which they, there was just a test recently. I think the, one of the first tests about the flying cars here in Tel Aviv, which was pretty incredible. I think so. we should start getting royalties from the Jetsons, seriously, like, David. The amount of times you mentioned this is staggering. Yeah. So, so, so you've been on um, both sides of the cybersecurity equation, holding key positions as both the vice president of business and cybersecurity and OTA. So what would you say are the biggest gaps today between cybersecurity and the business? So cybersecurity is a is fascinating market in the sense that only when there's catastrophic events, then people really understand why we need cyber. You know, we have our cyber experts and they make sure our products are secure, make sure that we take all the, the proper measures. But when the heat goes on and, and there's a pen attack or, or something bad happens, then there's much, much more focus on cyber. And after this happens once to an organization, there's actually a good understanding of things that might happen, might happen wrong, and our need to protect ourselves, our need to be the state of the art from a cybersecurity and make sure that we are secure, as secure as possible. There's no such thing as 100% security. Uh, if anybody tells you that there is 100% security, that means that they're lying or they don't understand. So there's no such thing as 100% security, but keeping security and cyber on the top of our head and the most important thing that we need to constantly monitor, constantly improve, constantly focus on is, is key to success in this market. That's very good advice uh, in general, I think. So what do you think, you know, thinking about those gaps, how can they be solved beyond what you just mentioned? So hard work, <laughs> good products, cybersecurity is an expertise. It's not something that you just tag along. It's not something that's only on your checklist. So, um, you know, there's a lot of... Um, discussions in the automotive industry on make versus buy. And we've seen that a lot with OTA. For cybersecurity, I would highly recommend everybody to buy the state-of-the-art products, to integrate them with the products that you are offering into the market, because cybersecurity is evolving all the time. And in order to keep abreast of the technology, we need 
to rely on the experts. We need to rely on the products that are state of the art that are constantly evolving and take them, integrate them into our solutions. Yeah, it's it's an amazing market and it's something that you know, if when you're looking into the future, you can think, okay, so we're gonna have two types of uh, entities in this world. We're going to have the chat GPTs who are going to create the code and we're going to have the cyber GPTs <laughs> who are going to fight the, the chat. <laughs> I, I don't know where this is going. It's, it's um, you know, it, it, like you mentioned, data data center on wheels. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, we're, we're looking at this in every industry and it, it's just, you know, the automotive industry is so in our face because, you know, we're, we're talking autonomous vehicles and uh, maybe flying vehicles and and now OTA. So let's talk a little bit about OTA. I think OTA is incredible because um, if I can upgrade my vehicle from, you know, sitting in my living room, that, that's pretty amazing. But but then again, you also have uh, the hackers like we had David Colombo here. Uh, we brought him over from, from Germany uh, about a year and a bit ago, uh, May of 2022. And he, from his little village sitting in Germany, he was able to, you know, hack into 28 Teslas and it made a lot of noise. And you know, Teslas are quite big in, in the OTA world. So, you know, what are the biggest trends that are coming up in this area and how do you see it changing in the coming years? So uh, what we're seeing is we're seeing massive usage of OTA so initially, OTA was a buzzword. We had this dream that we will be able to uh, bug fix the vehicle so you don't need to go into the dealership. You can just fix things as you sit, you know, watch TV and update the vehicle. But at that stage, we were talking about the quality. So there was a bug. There was a penetration, there was a security issue, and we wanted to update the vehicle to secure the vehicle, etc. That's one type of updates. But there, there are many other updates, as, as you mentioned. So, so we have a, a phone, and the phone constantly evolves, right? We have new apps coming in, we update the new apps, we delete the, the previous ones, we upgrade, etc. And we buy a, a vehicle, we buy a car. It has apps. We would like to upgrade them. We would like to update them. We would like to bring the newest and greatest into our vehicles. So something called feature on demand or functionality on demand or service on demand. This is a new world that is coming up now. It's a venue for monetization for the OEMs. So if you look at the OEM world today, the Teslas of the world, there will be minimal fixes in the garages. So we need to find, as providers for the OEMs, we need to find monetization venues. And one monetization venue is software. So you sell the vehicle as an OEM, you sell it once, but why can't you continue and sell services to these vehicles on an ongoing basis? We can see that very nicely. Tesla has been doing it and proving the world that it can actually monetize the services. So I, as a car owner, can experience new functionality, new services coming into my vehicle. Now, this all sounds cool and sounds nice, but it introduces additional risks that were not there before. So before we, we purchased the vehicle, 
We purchased the software in the vehicle. Everything was tested, pre-integrated, and uh, there were still bugs, but much fewer. But now let's think about a dynamic environment by which we introduce new features, new functionalities, bug fixes, etc. There will be errors. There will be hackers. There will be vulnerabilities. We need to find a way to quickly fix those and update the software within the vehicle. One of the interesting things in vehicles, and this is unlike the phone, the phone has one CPU or one ECU, whatever you want to call it, so one controlling power. But if you look at at the vehicle, we're talking about today 80 ECUs intercommunicating between amongst themselves. And uh, therefore, the vehicle is prone to issues, to errors, and to hacks. And we need to be very, very cautious and be able to identify those issues very quickly and be able to fix and amend as soon as we find a vulnerability. That's fascinating. A little bit scary. Yeah. (laughs) Fascinating, scary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's both. But I think if we, we take the right measures and, you know, produce the right security, then it becomes fascinating. And, you know, this is the new world and we should be part of it and definitely leverage it. Yeah, yeah. What, what I think is fascinating and scary, I agree at the same time, is that when you think about companies like Apple that live off of, you know, software updates and new features and all of that, and you're saying they have one ECU and not nearly as many safety risks as a car has, and then you're talking about a car with 80 ECUs and uh, unbelievable safety risk. It's like everything is 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 turned to 11. So, quite a challenge. <laughs> you're in a very yeah. interesting spot. Yeah, I think I think also um, that that it's something that people are going to have to get used to. We had on uh, the CEO of a robotic surgical company. This was a while back, and and we asked him a very simple question: Can the technology today do the surgery by itself? Or do you really need to have a surgeon there moving the arms around? And he said that the technology is ready, but people aren't. <laughs> and, I, and I think we'll, we'll, it's the same thing with cars. You know, we're going to get there. Um, you know that. Yeah, it's it's scary and it's fascinating. But the, the thought of sitting back and reading a newspaper, and uh, you know, having the technology drive the car, it's still. Uh, you know, you know, we're going to be the first. Um, the first people who are going to. Uh, you know, really take on is going to be the elderly because, you know, they, they, they don't want to drive anyway. <laughs> you know, it gets harder to drive at night. It gets harder to drive in general. And the same way that they picked up on the internet because they had all the free time early on and they were like one of the biggest shopping, you know, shoppers in the biggest growing segments. I think they're going to be the first ones and they're going to come on, honey, you know, get in the car. You know, it's, this is driving by itself. It's amazing. And, um, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, fascinating, scary. So, Michal, I'm really curious about what you think uh, with regards to uh, supply chain, and and more specifically, what do you think has changed in how we secure the automotive supply chain in the age of EVs, and and as we start moving seriously towards autonomous vehicles. So that's a very good question. The OEMs have been changing drastically. So one of the things that uh, we found out when we just started to upgrade OTA into the vehicles. So uh, our technology is built out of two components. One component resides in the vehicle and one component resides in the data center. 
And the guys at the OEM that were part of the vehicle programs did not talk to IT people. It was like a disconnect between the vehicle that were king of the road and the IT that were doing, you know, authentication stuff, uh, server stuff, you know, not interesting stuff. But then, you know, OTA came along and cyber came along and each of them has a component in the cloud and has a component on the vehicle. And these components connect. We're talking about the connectivity age and share data, exchange data, use AIML for, you know, deep learning, etc. So, so there's a tighter connection between the vehicle and the data center, the vehicle and the cloud. And, and that introduced uh, a bunch of opportunities. And it also introduced uh, a different thought process, let's say, from an OEM standpoint, that you know, needs to adapt to new technology much faster. And, you know, how do you do that? You know, OEMs are very, very slow and heavy and have very long processes. But one of the things that I heard from one of our customers, who, who's an executive in, in one of the largest OEMs, he said for him, OTA just changed the world. So instead of developing software once and then getting stuck with fixing it, he can do that over the air. So he can, you know, change the mode of operation. And now he's talking about the next revolution, which is in the OEMs themselves, in production lines, an ability to update the software before it goes out the door. So. OTA, just as an example, is a showstopper in production. If, if OTA does not work, vehicles are not released because for, for the specific OEM, goes through major updates and upgrades to the latest software. And same for cyber. So we need to do major updates, major upgrades, major integrations, and these third parties are actually small third parties that need to understand the world of the OEM, understand the strict practices, understand the behavior, understand the fact that if an SOP is in January 2024, everything has to be in the vehicle sealed in 2023. You know, from our standpoint as, as software developers, now, we fix something, we want it instantly, you know, to, to be out the door, but the OEMs have, have a different life cycle. So they are adapting, they are changing their mode of operation and introducing third parties that are much quicker to build software. So it's adaptation, I would say, on both sides of the house, both worlds. And uh, it is you know, I'd like to see a process uh, much quicker, but today I think it's it's much much smoother than let's say five or six years ago, uh, where when when we started. That's really interesting. You know, I was at the Embedded World Show in Nuremberg a few months ago, and there are component providers there who are selling to integrators, to OEMs, and you know, it's everything from tier ones to tier I don't know tier X, right? Some you know three four people in a in a shop in Taiwan, 
the integration is going to have to be so much like what you just said. It's going to have to be so perfect. It's going to have to be so tied together. A lot more than just putting out a spec and having you know a company in Germany, China, Taiwan, whatever, U.S. providing that component. Now there has to be this different mindset. And when I was there, I was walking around and I was talking to them about S bombs, right, software bill of materials, and WP twenty nine, R one fifty five, all, and they they really didn't have any idea what I was talking about because they're they're getting a <laughs> spec and they're providing to that spec. But if we're talking about now this move to OTA, then it's going to be a lot more than that because the the OEM are going to have to do the software upgrades on potentially components that they didn't create themselves. And I wonder if, you know, on one hand, it's a huge shift left in the cooperation that has to exist. And I wonder if that might cause the OEMs themselves to get back into de- developing a lot of those components themselves in-house, because that way they can ensure that that integration will be ev- you know, that much more streamlined. And they're trying, right? We, we see software houses at Cariad, which is uh, for VW. We see it in Stellantis. We see it in many other customers. We're seeing that the OEMs are trying to provide the software on their own. However, they are relying on open source, right? And open source sometimes has vulnerabilities, so it doesn't really matter. We, we need to fix them, and we need to upgrade, and we need to update. And uh, so, so the world for the OEMs is definitely changing. It's much, much different than what they had before, but it's a very, very complex world and uh, things are definitely evolving. And I think, you know, the secret here is companies that are open to third parties and know how to integrate software quickly and know how to relate to young startups. Because one one of the things that I recall uh, when when we were Red Bend, and I'm sure you guys recall when um, you just started, is, you know, the question is, what happens if Redbend disappears? Okay, what, what happens if a startup disappears and I'm relying on, on your software as an OEM? What will happen to, to my software? And um, that's something that needs to be taken under consideration when you work with startup companies. There's definitely benefit for the agility of the startup companies the ability of the software companies to adapt and quickly resolve issues. However, there's always a question mark on the stability of of these companies, and uh, the OEMs have to find a solution in order to uh, take care of of those corner cases that these companies might disappear, might be acquired by competition, etc. So... Let's go back to almost a personal question. <laughs> what was the most amazing or hard to believe moment you've had in your career so far? Wow. <laughs> so so I can tell you about something that happened, I would say, two weeks ago. And uh, it's not the most amazing thing that happened to me, but um, I was surprised how surprised I was. We were sitting with a customer in uh, a Chinese customer, one of our customers, Chinese, and they brought their peers, which is a Japanese OEM. So we had a Japanese OEM, a Chinese OEM, and 
Harmon, myself, um, talking about OTA, et cetera, et cetera. And three women led the discussion. So I think there were like 20 plus people on the call. But this is the first time, and this is really sad from my standpoint, the first time that I recall a very important conference call that was actually managed by women. So for, for my standpoint, it's it's happy and sad, but you know, mostly sad that, you know, this is something we're discussing, first of all. But, you know, automotive is, is uh, main, mainly uh, a male industry. So uh, we don't experience too many females in executive positions. I would love to encourage more participation of diversity, but that was like an aha moment, I would say, for me. I think the the fact that it only happened two weeks ago makes it even even more uh, hard to believe. So mm-hmm. I, I can totally understand. And David, uh, m- maybe we should switch the questions because I think you have a, a question just about that. And that's a great segue. Yeah. So. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but our recent podcast episodes, we've had a lot more females than males, and they tend to be pretty um, senior executives. So I, I don't know if something's changing or or if this podcast is just like a magnet for senior executive, <laughs> uh, successful women. Um, but so you're a top executive in a still, as you mentioned, very male dominated field. So what tips would you provide women in cyber, um, automotive wanting to advance their careers? So I think some of, some of the answers in your question, the, the, the females need to want. So, so you, you said about females wanting to advance. So I think that's, that's number one. You know, I, as an engineer, I, as a manager, I would like to progress. I would like to manage. I would like to lead. I understand it comes with a cost. I understand it requires hard work, et cetera, et cetera. But I want it. I understand I will need to give up other things potentially but this is important for me, et cetera. So I think that's number one. And we're seeing, you know, some examples of women withholding themselves back. So I think that's that's part of part of the story. Another part of the story is females in a senior role. So the role models, and, and I was surprised. Three months ago, somebody came over to me. Uh, she, she's a director at Harmon, and she said, you know, I, I'd like uh, your assistance. I'd like your coaching. We don't see too many women in, in senior roles. And I was surprised, like, okay, <laughs> happy, to, happy to be a coach, et cetera. But, so that's another, another part. And, and one of the things that I'm very proud of in the site in Israel is I don't feel that we're a minority. I, I feel that there are quite a few women in senior positions. So as soon as you put a woman who is capable, please put only capable women uh, in, in driver seats, you see other managers open to diversity and open to hiring. So, so we're seeing more diversification more awareness, you know, I don't go and preach. Um, I hate these women's days, etc. I think I think that's wrong. 
but but I do I do think that as soon as there are more women or more minorities, you know, for for us it's also minorities in terms of uh, uh, religious people coming in, in terms of uh, Arab people coming in. The more diversification we have, the better culture the better more ideas and the more fruitful so so i think i think it's about diversity i think it's about awareness i also think it's about um the fact that you're accepting other uh styles of management so you know be very attentive to to the various people quiet people sometimes are quiet because that's their nature and if you can encourage their participation, these people will grow. And, I, and I've seen that. I've seen that a lot, spe- specifically with women. I've seen one other thing, which is that just about every woman we, we've had on the podcast, they've been involved in some kind of organization to help to promote other women. So whether mm-hmm. it's um, Katie Boswell, from who's managing director of uh, KPMG Cybersecurity, or Joanna Cooper from Daimler Trucks, or um, Suzanne Schwartz, Dr. Suzanne Schwartz, who's the head of the FDA Cybersecurity. So they, they've they've all discussed how they. It's almost like sticking together to try to help to to um, you know for women who want to advance to help them to advance, and I think it's a great thing. And, uh, you know, I have two daughters, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely a big fan of, uh, you know, seeing, seeing their, their progress in the market and that they should definitely have equal footing. And, and like you said, diver- diversity and, um, you know, giving, being given the same opportunities, I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So, so raising uh, the awareness around biases, I think that's also important. And giving an opportunity, being flexible, you know, uh, COVID has taught us that we can work from home. And, you know, uh, women usually have more to do with with the kids in the afternoon, but there is flexibility around the the hours of participation and we can work at, at in the evenings, etc. So there's a lot of flexibility that also helps to diversify the, the workforce. And definitely, for, from your standpoint, um, I too have uh, a daughter. I have a son and a daughter, and both of them really understand the fact that equality is essential and fairness is essential across. The workforce, and, and I guess the sad thing is that that there's still less women in executive uh, business schools in the workforce starting off. So, so women do not start off as fifty percent uh, in the workforce, which which is sad. It's, it's very sad. We see less women um, coming in from computer science, etc. It's an improvement. Uh, compared to to previous years, but we're not there yet. We should continue to encourage women to uh, join. Yeah, and I think uh, the the practical approach, like the one you seem to have, uh, really resonates with me as well, because it's not just uh, saying that we need to promote more, more women in executive roles, but talking about how and how to do it right and in a practical way. Uh, I think that's really the key, mm-hmm. right? I find it really refreshing and interesting. Um, so, 
Michal, maybe one more uh, final question, professional one. Uh, what would be your main tips for product cybersecurity managers in 2023, 2024, beyond? So first of all, professionalism. So learning, you never can stop learning. You should always advance yourself from a technical standpoint. should keep abreast of technology, should keep abreast of what's happening in the marketplace. This field is very, very demanding. Every day there's something new happening. Every day there's, you know, this chat GPT, this AIML, you know, um, it's going to change the world. And we should be participating in these changes. And there's always a new change. There's also always something new just around the corner. So don't stop and say, you know, I'm an expert. I know I've, you know, accomplished A, B, and C. The road ahead, keep looking ahead, keep trying to see what you can learn, how you can learn from you know the experts of the world. The, the world is much flatter today. Everything is available. We, we just need you know to uh, constantly continue to read, to learn, to partner, to go and see and meet. And discuss openly. So another thing that's very important is the ability to learn from everybody, to learn from the juniors, to learn from the seniors, to learn from your managers, to learn from your family, to learn from other markets. So, so be very, very open and, and critically learn. So not only, you know, absorb everything, but absorb it with thinking critically you know does this make sense does this not make sense we we've been seeing many uh fake reports uh and we'll see more fake reports and some are intentional some are unintentional in terms of learning etc we need to continue uh advanced ourselves i i think that's the secret to success i think you're right And uh, <laughs> this has been a really enjoyable uh, episode for me. I think, you know, we, we've had some guests who they're very smart, but you, you have such insights from your experience that it, and it really comes out and it's really clear. And I think uh, our listeners are definitely going to enjoy this one. And uh, we'd like to thank you, Michal, for, for being on and uh, wish you continued success in, in driving forward with Harman and OTA and saving the world and keeping us safe uh, on the streets. And, you know, thank you for what you do and please continue doing it and uh, continue helping others to do that as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, David and Shlomi, for inviting me. It was really fun discussing and talking and uh, hopefully I'll see you in person soon in the next conference. Looking forward to it. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Looking forward. Thank you, Michal. Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com.